isn't it wonderful to understand the truth of that last song? He's the God who stays. He's not the God that roams around and leaves us when things are bad, but rather he's the God who stays with us. He is the Father that is committed, that will always remain with us as his children. It's no secret for us as we continue to live on this planet that we live in troubled times and uncertain times, confusing times. That's the reality of the broken world in which we live in, regardless of a pandemic or no pandemic. We all have kinds of problems plaguing us, whether or not they're social problems, cultural problems, financial problems, relational problems, spiritual problems. We have problems and issues troubling our country on every hand. That's the result of living on this planet that we know as Earth. But here's the good news. Even in the darkest of times, God always gives a voice of hope. That's who he is. And I can go back into the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 15, 2 and 5, where God brought about this preacher by the name of Azariah. And Azariah offers these words to the king of that day, whose name is Asa. And he wants to give this good word of hope to him and to the entire nation. And he says these words. Listen to me, Asa. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. Here it is. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God. And we see time and time evidence of that in the Old Testament. Of one generation that would repent, another generation would recoil and retreat. Another generation would come along, oh, we need God, and another generation would recoil. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. Why? Because he's the God who stays. He's the God that's always present. During those dark times, it says, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. What can we learn just from that brief text? That when we're in trouble, when we're facing distress, what do we do? We've got to turn to the Lord. Now, we want to turn to the Lord in good times as well, but when times are difficult, we need to turn to the Lord. They had recognized where their hope actually comes from. This is my prayer and Glenda's prayer for you and for us. That in our trouble, in our distress, in the change that's before us, and the future that is here and around the corner, we will turn to the Lord. Friends, the starting point, any time that you need renewal, any time that you're facing difficulties, any time you're facing change, it is always necessary, first and foremost, to reconnect with God. You see, it's our disconnection from God that causes many of the problems in life and our nation, our country. It's not to suggest for a moment that life is easy when we connect with God. We understand that. We could all give testimony to the reality of the problems that life continues to bring our way, even when we're in a good connection with God. But he helps us through those difficulties. In Matthew 6, we're introduced to the Lord's Prayer. 
It's this incredible prayer. It's very well known and widely quoted, but this prayer isn't just a saying from the past, but rather it's a powerful truth that should define how we live and as we pray in the present. In just a few short sentences, Jesus gave us this timeless prayer and taught us how to connect with God. And both Glenn and I felt that in this season of our lives, as the church, as we face transition and change, that the most important thing that we can do is to lean into this most powerful and simple prayer. You see, this prayer contains everything that you and I need as we travel through the different seasons of life, good and bad. These words help us to center. These words help us to align ourselves with our Maker, our Father. And all the most important things we need to know and believe for life is contained truly within this prayer. So over these next few weeks, what we're going to do is begin to break down this prayer phrase by phrase. And it's our belief that if we understand the Lord's Prayer, not just, not just pray it, not just pray it, but to live it, it will change your life. I believe it has the capacity to give you peace in your life, to reduce those anxieties, and I believe it has the capacity to provide you a courageous outlook on the future. Well, the practice of the month, if you remember, what is it? Memorization. When I was a little boy in public school, we used to recite the Lord's Prayer. Anybody remember those days? Got a few here. So let's see how well your memorization is. Let's stand together. We're going to read out this Lord's Prayer. It's going to be on the screen, but for those, <laughs> for those that need it, it, it is the, uh, the one that was more of the traditional prayer. It's not necessarily one of the translations from the New Living or the New International Version or the NET, but rather it is from, I believe, the New King James. So let's recite it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Bronwyn. <laughs> Please be seated. That's a powerful, powerful prayer. And, and it's the kind of prayer that can just be rolling off our tongue. And what we want to do is we want to journey through this prayer. We want to understand, we want to unpack it. What does this prayer actually do for us as followers of Jesus Christ? And so we're going to focus in on that very first, very first line and very first two words where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the prayer of acknowledgement. It's, it's this prayer of connection. Those first two words are our Father. Our Father. And we've referenced that a few times here this morning. Our Father. And when Jesus said we're going to pray to God and we're going to call him our Father, it really established a new norm. It, it broke all the rules. You see, when, until Jesus came, nobody really looked to God as the Father. It was referenced a few times in the Old Testament, but usually look, they looked upon God as the Almighty One. They looked upon Him as the Creator or the Great Provider on and on, but not necessarily as Father. 
And it wasn't until Jesus came along that we begin to discover here that he wants us to call this God of the universe Father. Jesus uses this expression over 150 times referring to God as a Father. What Jesus did was to really dismiss all the stereotypes. He wanted us to understand that God is not some kind of an angry tyrant. He's not some kind of a cosmic cop or a universal killjoy. He's not some kind of an impersonal force. He says that God is a personal God. He's a, he's a personal God. He has the ability to have a relationship with us because of that. And it offers us the understanding that we can have a personal relationship with him. God is a person, not a power. Not a power. He's a father, not a force. He has great power. There's no doubt about that. He's capable of doing great things, but he's a person. And as Christ followers, we don't necessarily say, unless you're watching some Star Wars, the force be with you, right? But what do we say? May God be with you. He, he's that personal father. And this is really good news for us to begin to understand. For I can relate to a personal father. I can't relate to an impersonal force or some disembodied spirit of the sky, but I can relate to one that wants to have a relationship with me. And that's what God wants to have as our father. The word father, though, we recognize for some people it can be a real problem. For many people, the word father brings up all kinds of maybe bad experiences, bad memories, difficulties, hurts. For a lot of people, the idea of a father is, you just wait till your father gets home, right? And that's what they relate to that idea of a father. Earthly fathers can be fickle, can be moody, domineering, controlling, angry, demanding, selfish, Am I forgetting any, Glenda? <laughs> Some can actually be abusive and violent. Some can be even aloof. And as a result, many people unconsciously think of God as their earthly father. As when they begin to think of God as their heavenly father, they begin to compare him with their earthly father. And they can transfer and mix up those hurts and emotions unto God. And so if you had a, a father that was an unreasonable father, demanding great things on you, you begin to think that our Heavenly Father can be like that. Or you might think of, a, of your earthly father as unreliable father. He broke promises that he made to you. And we can then find a hard time trusting God. So we think that if we try to depend upon God, he's going to break his promises. And that's just not the case. So what kind of a father is God? I want to spend the balance of our time here just talking about that for a few moments. That if we're going to have this kind of relationship with him as a father, what does that look like? What does the characteristics of the fatherhood of God look like? First is this. And this won't catch you off guard. This is not something that you've got to really be a theologian to understand, but he is a caring father. He's caring, he's compassionate, he's loving. God loves you more than you'll ever understand. We read in Psalm 103, verse 13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who honor, respect him. 
He cares about everything in your life. He offers compassion towards you. One of the great stories of the Bible is when the disciples and followers of Jesus, most of whom were professional fishermen, and many of you would know this, they were on the lake one day, Jesus was with them, and he, Jesus got tired. In his own humanity, even though he was truly and properly God, he was truly and properly man, and we understand that he got tired, and he curled up at one end of the boat and went to sleep. And while he was asleep, the storm came up, and the, and the fishermen got really scared. They would have been used to sleet and, 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 and rainy weather, but this was a, a storm that began to rock the boat. Water began to come in, and they think they're going to drown. And they go over, and they, and they frantically wake up Jesus, and they ask him one of the most frequently asked questions. Before I give you that question, let me say this. If Jesus is in your boat, it's not going to go down. If Jesus is in your boat, it's not going to sink. No matter how big the storm is, the boat is not going to go down. Whether you want, whether you want to understand that principle completely, you need to apply it to your life. If your marriage, you feel your marriage is sinking, it's, bring, bring Jesus into your marriage. If you think your career is sinking, then bring Jesus into your career. If you think your relationships are going south, then bring Jesus into your relationships. If you want Jesus to help you in life, then you get Jesus to be part of your life. If Jesus is in your boat, it isn't going to sink. But the disciples, not thinking, they go over and they wake up Jesus in this frantic way, and they ask this familiar question. Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to drown? Don't you care that we're going to be going under here? Friends, you and I ask that questions, that question over and over and over again in life. God, don't you care? Didn't you see that health report? God, don't you care that my marriage is not doing well? Don't you care, God, that my kids are struggling in school? And we ask that question over and over and over again. God, don't you care? And here's a father that wants to come along, us as his children, wants you to understand, yes, I care. I am aware of your circumstances. I care for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast, which actually means to drop, cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. He's a caring father. He just wants us to let it go. He wants us to drop it. Notice that second word in that. Cast what? All. Everything's included in that. That means your, your health. That means your, your marriage or if you're dating. That means your financial situation. Cast all your anxiety upon him. Anything that's worth worrying about is worth giving to God. He is a caring father. The second attribute of God is this. He's consistent. He's a consistent father. And that's really important, especially when everything around us is changing. And I don't know, because I'm getting a little bit older, it seems like it's changing even that much faster now. It's absolutely crazy. But he will never let you down. He's a God that can be counted upon. He's dependable, he's reliable, and he's worthy of our trust. James 1 and 17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 
He is an unchanging, consistent, consistent father. Earthly fathers, we're unpredictable. Men can be hard to read, can't we? Are they going to be silent? Or are they going to be violent? Are they going to, are we going to be, are they going to receive me? Are they going to reject me? And we can have that kind of inconsistent behavior. And as a result, inconsistent fathers produce and raise insecure children. The thing about God is that he's never moody. He never has a bad day. One of the things I can count on is that God will always act the same toward me. There's that consistent factor. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, If we are faithless, what? He remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. And I think you would agree that we live in a world that is constantly in flux, constantly changing. Alvin Toffler said this, In times of rapid change, people need an island of stability. There's something wonderful when we can actually understand and, and be a part of the familiar, right? The, the, it creates less anxiety. But what Toffler's talking about here is that, that we need an anchor. We need a, a spiritual and an emotional anchor in life to hang on to. And when everything else is up in the air, we cling to that which is consistent, that never changes. There's one problem. That in life, the life in which we live day by day, week by week, is constantly in flux, constantly changing. Nothing ever lasts. No wealth lasts. No health lasts. No job lasts. The economy doesn't last. Everything on this planet is temporary. There's only one thing on this planet that we can count on. And that is a God that never changes. That's the consistent caring of a God who's there for us. The one that we pray to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Isn't that amazing? He will never go back on his promises. And then in Malachi chapter 3, it says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Isn't that wonderful news to realize that he's the constant, he's the consistent one? He's the only thing that doesn't change in life. Culture changes, opinion changes, science changes, but God doesn't. He's consistent. Our Father is not only consistent and caring, but he's also close. And this is a beautiful moment for us as a church, I think, to realize he's as close as the next heartbeat, the close as the next breath. He's not distant, he's not far away. He's right there with us. Acts 17, 27 says, God did this, all the things that he's done in history, God did this so that people would reach out for him and find him since he's not far from each one of us. Isn't that encouraging to realize that? No matter where you are at any time of the day, that our God is always right there, ready to engage with you. Every time you call, he's near. The truth is sometimes we're just too busy for God. But, but he's never, ever too busy for us. He loves to meet needs. He does so without any hesitation. He doesn't do so begrudgingly. He loves us. 
Just like those who are parents, and I think of David and, and Amanda here dedicating their children back to God, they always want to give good gifts to their children, right? And we understand in Matthew 7, 11, it says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God enjoys giving us good gifts. God enjoys meeting our needs. Just like us as parents enjoy meeting the needs of our kids. We welcome that. We invite that. But he, there's something else about God's closeness to us, that he's actually sympathetic to our hurts. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God understands and is close, as a close father for us to turn to. And when I was thinking of Jacob when um, we were doing the dedication ceremony, just thinking about him as a little boy. In, in the Middle East, the very, some of the first words that they would learn or be taught is who the father is. And the word that they would use for father was the word Abba. And that's what would be some of the first words. Abba, which is a very intimate word. It means, means daddy. It means, it means papa. To understand that God is close and he's personal. He wants to be with them. There's that warmth and that intimacy. As my kids were growing up and, and needed money, they would come to me and say, O most omnipotent one, <laughs> thou who dost sovereignly and magnificently bestow our heavenly allowance upon us, we beseech thee, O great creator, for a bounty of cash that we might abide the house of the motion picture. Of course not. They never spoke to me like that. God just wants us to talk to him. And for so whatever reason, we, we can talk with one another, but sometimes we hiccup when it comes to talking with our father. And it's just a conversation. At the end of the month, we're going to be having an opportunity for corporate prayer. And we encourage you to be a part of that, to have that conversation with our heavenly father. He wants that kind of intimacy. He doesn't want some kind of a religious language in fact, there's part of me that wonders, you know, when we talk like that, wonder, well, God's going, huh? What are you saying? God just wants intimacy. He wants closeness. Finally, this. Close, consistent, caring, but he's also a competent father. And that's really important when we're facing the problems of life. He can handle any problem that we give to him. Nothing is beyond his ability. I think that's really important for us today. Because there's an epidemic, it seems, of fathers that are incompetent. Have you noticed that there are few competent dads on television anymore? Few. Made fun of. Right? Yeah. I can remember, and I'm dating myself, and a few will understand that fathers know best. Remember that show? Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> These are going way back. And now what do we have? Homer Simpson? Family guy. What was that, Steve? Nothing good. Nothing good, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's the kind of father that our society is promoting. One kid goes up to a, another kid in a, a recess on the playground and says, my dad can beat up your dad. And the kid said, not a big deal, so can my mom. 
But our God is a competent Father. Nothing is impossible with Him. When our children were little, they expected me to fix everything, know everything, and afford everything. As they've grown, they learn that their father has limited finances, but limited knowledge, limited energy, limited resources, limited skills, limited everything. But their heavenly father can do anything. The Bible says that God is able to do more than we would ever dare to or ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires and thoughts and hopes. That's the competency of this father that says, come to me, what Jesus taught, our father, our father. You, our father who is caring. You, our father who is consistent. You, our father that's competent. You, our father that's capable. And we could go on and on and on describing the fatherhood qualities of our heavenly father. So let me ask you very pointedly, what have you been doubting that God can handle in your life? in these days that which you think is too hard or that change seems to be too impossible what is it that you think God is too it's too difficult for God friends yesterday's impossibilities are today's miracles God can do anything he's a competent father and friends God loves everybody there's not one in this room there's not one online that God can't say that he loves. And God wants everybody in his family. But you're not part of his family until you choose to be part of that family. As our Heavenly Father, he doesn't impose himself on us, but he wants us to invite him in to our lives. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to make, make this beautiful connection. God knows that we're not perfect. He is, we're not. He's holy, we're not. We're sinful. First Timothy, it says that God is on one side of, and all the people are on the other side. And Christ Jesus, himself man, is between them to bring them together. That's the beautiful connection and the relationship that we can have with Jesus that he actually connects us with God the Father and us. On the cross between God and man, Jesus said, because of the cross, I can bring you a cross. He wants us to experience the beautiful attributes of God the Father. And so, friends, I want to really encourage you as we move through this series that you allow him to be the Father that he chooses to be in your life. And if you've not made that decision or perhaps you have strayed away from the Father, he's coming after you right now. And he wants you to be engaged. And so we encourage God as the worship team comes up to just to steady our hearts to that understanding. To steady the, the beauty of that knowledge of who he actually is. That the things that happen in life, because we live on a broken planet, are going to happen. But he is going to be the God that, as our father to see us through them. Doesn't mean that he's going to remove everything, but he gives us the power. Gives us the ability to actually walk through those situations. I know very well as an earthly father, anytime my kids hurt themselves, they come up to me if they had a scraped knee or a scraped elbow, something happened in their life, maybe a relationship went sour, <laughs> that they knew that I would be there as a father to love them, to care for them, to 
provide for them in their time of need. It didn't remove the problem, but it helped to comfort the hurt. And God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him. And so we encourage you to evaluate your relationship with God the Father this morning. You can come and kneel. You can stand where you are. You can kneel where you are. What is God saying to you in terms of that kind of intimate relationship he wants to have with you? God bless you.